0: For so very long, it's been... Go
1: on, George. Tell how it's gonna be.
0: But in the end, the commission only
2: said... We figured it 17 different ways. And every time we figured, it was
3: no good. Because no matter how we figured it...
2: But no matter how you figure it out, I still don't get as much as anybody else.
3: Somebody don't like the way we figured it. So now, there's only one way to figure it. And that is every man for himself. back
1: Black
0: Friday... This is the end It's the end of the world It's the end of the world As we know it Or is it now? As a new year hits, through it all, Beaver
2: Nation moves ahead with resiliency and hope. Sun's up, hmm Looks okay, the world survives into another day see now,
0: the rain And the way forward goes through, as it must, the Joe Beaver Show with John Warren and Mike Parker.
2: Yeah, a number of times I heard these guys' voices over and over and over. Still can't
0: find it. Ah, can't find it? We can help. This is
2: 1240. 1240. It's always been
0: 1240. My client says it's 1240. Yeah. Plus 93.7 FM and streaming live at KEJOAM.com and on the KEJO app. It's the Joe Beaver Show. Yes,
2: it is. Good morning, everybody. Good morning and welcome to the uh, final show of the week. The weekend is here. It's Friday. It's payday. All is right with the world. I'm John Warren. Mike Parker uh, is just pulling in. In fact, I just saw him a second ago. He'll be here in just a second. All right. So today's program, uh, we have a lot for you, including a conversation with Pat Murphy, who was recently named the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers after being a bench coach for the last several years course, Murphy and uh, Pat Casey going at it 20 years ago, some 20 years ago, nearly anyway, and the 2005 uh, World Series, and I was trying to find the audio on that, uh, the YouTube audio, where in the uh, the Omaha setting where all the coaches get together and the, the press conference, and Pat Murphy went on record of just singing the praises of Pat Casey and what he was able to do with Oregon State to get to the World Series, Pretty sure that was 05 because that was the first one. And then, of course, uh, following that up with victories in 0- 06 and 07, and in particular in 07, beating Pat Murphy's Arizona State Sun Devil squad rather easily. I'll never forget where I was when that game was played. My son and I drove down. It was vacation time kind of at the end of the, the Joe Beaver year, drove down to Disneyland, went to the, uh, the ESPN zone, and, and had uh, just a big old lounge chairs and got lunch, and on the big screen was Oregon State just going to town on Arizona State, and that was en route to that easy 07 uh, route to the championship after the very difficult 06 route to the championship. So anyway, Pat Murphy will join us coming up at 12.05, and Jason John-Baptiste will join us. He's a partner along with uh, A.J. McCord and Mike Parker on What's the name of that show, Doc? Uh,
3: Talking beavers.
2: Talking beavers. There you yeah. go. Talking beavers. Which is what we do occasionally. That's right. So that's all coming up in the program. And of course, a breakdown, if you will, on the schedule. We didn't. It came out during the show yesterday. We were working in and around some guests and some conversations, and so not really a chance to uh, to get your thoughts on it and discuss it here on the program. And I know. Um, you know, having a, a full day to kind of look into it and check it out and see some comments on, on Twitter and, and some other platforms. Not real popular, but uh, and I hate to be trite because I hate it when people say this, but it is what it is. It's a, you, there's nothing we can do about it. And I think that, that the more that these types of things come along, the more punches to the gut that we as a, as a fan base take, the more we'll realize... This was, not, this was done to us, and there isn't, you know, it's, it's Oregon State and Washington State are doing their best to triage this and get out of the hole, but the hole's deep, and it may get deeper, although today, I keep forgetting this until just this moment, Doc, the Washington State Supreme Court will make a decision, I believe,
3: as to whether to hear the case to to or hear not, the case. which they probably will say, yeah, but we're going to find out. Will that happen you during know, the it'll show? will happen no, I think it'll happen at the end of the business day, although okay. one never knows. Yeah. But yeah. will Alan Thayer, one way or the other, will visit again with Alan come Monday, we believe, just about, okay, What, what does he make of whatever it is the Washington Supreme Court chooses in terms of this case? But yes, we should know yeah, you'd like them to say, no, we won't hear it, then it, it's essentially uh, thrown back to uh, the case with Judge Leiby. Yeah, we like that better, right but, right. but but it's not, as Alan Thayer said, If if the court says, no, we'll hear it, we'll hear these appeals, or we'll hear one appeal but not this one, whatever it is they rule on today— if they say, "Yeah, we we want to hear more," we mm-hmm. will take, we'll mm-hmm. we'll look further into the case. We'll hear this appeal and that appeal, whatever. He said, even if they choose that route, Alan Thayer said, "It's not the end of the world by any means." And then I said, "Yeah, but can would we be able to see it from there?" And then we both <laughs> laughed and talked about George Raveling's great quote. Right, Raveling, one of the great word smiths, eloquent, funny, talented. Brilliant coaches of all time. George Raveling saying, you know, when talking about Pullman, Pullman isn't the end of the world. No, come on. Pullman's not the end of the world. Come on. It's not. But you can see it from here. (laughs) It's a a, great line. It is a great line. And Allen said his favorite George Raveling line, though, that he read in the the old days of something called, I talked to Bud Withers about this recently, the Skywriters Tour. Now, Mm. I... I let's see, seven, eight, eleven of you know what I refer to when I say well, the I'm "Sky Riders right Tour." Exactly yeah, so there's is. ten yeah. others. <laughs> Some of you know. There's probably more who were going. I kind of. How about the good old days when <laughs> yeah. you talk about? You know, Billy says the good old days weren't always good, and tomorrow's never. Yeah, he's right. I know, but but there was something very cool when you talk about media days. Now, yeah, yeah. they had. Skyriders, the Pack Eight Skyriders days, where the beat writers around. and columnists from all the Pack Eight cities would fly to each city mm-hmm. in the Pack Eight, all of the writers descending upon one town for one day, talk to the coaches and players, and then write newsworthy news notes, column stories yeah. from uh, from Cal and Stanford, SCU, UCLA. Oregon, well, I, Oregon State. I haven't heard that term in years. The Skywriters. I forgot all about it. And but... I, lo- I loved it. I mean, I would read and just eat that all up mm-hmm, in the 70s. Mm-hmm. When I, oh, the Skywriter thing is very cool. <laughs> yeah. But apparently one of the Skywriters, they did it for some basketball stuff, too, to the point that George Ravelin is quoted in the Skywriter tour mm-hmm. saying to Ralph Miller, this was Alan quoted this back to me, and I'd never heard this one before. <laughs> Apparently, George said to Ralph in one of these meetings or whatever, Ralph, no one, just know one thing. You will never be as old as you look. <laughs> that, that is a great line because Ralph did have a little bit of that. He was he was kind of older than he looked, yeah. as our own Tommy Prothro did too. Oh yeah, we see pictures of Prothro. We think, man, he, he was old when he got here. He was like thirty eight when he got to Oregon. Yeah, State he's or 36. The, just the style of the way he right. wore his hair and the way he looked, he looked yeah. way older. I know it. Anyhow, good morning, John. Good morning, everybody. Not the end of the world, but as you were beginning to ruminate a little bit, you said it's not very popular. It's this. It is what it is. So, you have had yesterday. After the show was over, I had business and things to do in Portland. Thus, I missed the company party. I hope it was a big hit and it was everybody a lot of had fun. a good time. I'm sure it was. We're a tight knit group, and it was a lot of I fun. I bet it was, and I'm sorry that I missed it. I had stuff I had to do in mm-hmm. Portland, and then I visited with Brian Wheeler last night for a while too. Okay. Good to see Wheels, and he's still working and trying to get his book out. So I, I couldn't be so thus off the grid and right. then driving, <clears throat> not on the grid, listening to sports talk radio and a little bit on the way home it was fairly late and all i heard of course was about the debacle of the nfl game and (laughs) you know and how staley's not going to survive this and And he he, didn't he didn't he's fired so there was nothing and then up this morning and getting to work on pat murphy and other things when you say it's not very popular me are you saying that the reaction in x in the social media Oh, come on this schedule uh, yeah you're gonna have to go 12 and oh and even then you will not I'm Is a that person. the general reaction? Yeah. What did people expect? What did you want? It, that call me right in now. Why are you so disappointed in that schedule? It, because it doesn't have five power fives. Was that the major linchpin of it? What did people expect?
2: Um, it varied from comment to comment. <clears throat> One, you know, some comments were, "Well, we were we were told six Mountain West teams. We have seven. Um, we were told five uh, power fives. We have four and in Washington State's case, three. We have a better schedule than Washington That's State true. Does.
3: There's no I, doubt about that. I understand that. the disappointment to not get the five power fives, one as I think. Yesterday, we had a call to the effect. If you didn't need to say it, if you didn't know, you were going to deliver it. You had to be pretty sure. And let you, yeah, that. But something may have fallen through that Scott did feel pretty good about, but he was always cautionary about until the ink is dry. I know, and I know. People I know. may have wearied of hearing that phrase. But maybe the ink never did get dry on a Virginia deal.
2: And it, may, it could have been, I don't know, but maybe there was a case of the pressure to get that out and mm-hmm. get it out and get it out mm-hmm. and get it out. And, and it may have, I don't know, it could have driven a, a contract apart. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. I just know that he's not a liar. So, if it didn't happen, it's because of something, some extenuating circumstances, not because he lied, knowing full well he's not going to get it. We'll dangle
3: five power fives in front of people. No, even though we know we don't. No, I don't believe he's not doing
2: that. that. Of course, he didn't do that. So, it must have been extenuating circumstances in contract negotiations. There's just no other way to look at it. It's disappointing. I get the disappointment. I get the
3: disappointment in not having five of them. I yeah, get it. Yeah, yeah it is. I, it is. When, when we thought, well, at least we'll have that. Right. No,
2: I get that. And I hadn't noticed yesterday when we first looked at it that it really is seven Mountain West teams instead of six because of San Diego State at the beginning. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't put two and two together on that one. Just because I have respect for San Diego State. Sure. We played them this year, and maybe in my brain it felt like a home-and-home home, even though I knew mm-hmm. it wasn't. But, no, that that makes seven. Yeah. Because of the situation. Seven six at the instead end, of instead of six. Yeah. Right. And so, yes, if you look at it, if you look at it and you're you're a bit jaded to the situation, and, and remember, if you're gonna have anger or disappointment or or anything, the, the right direction is not at Kirk Schultz or Scott Barnes. No, the right direction yeah. is at the wretched 10. And the way this
3: whole thing went down. And being thrown into yeah. this maelstrom right. in this situation. That's right. Yeah.
2: But let's say you do, you have it, and you're thinking. Oh well, we're just a mountain West. Re- we might as well be merged with the Mountain West and the relegation and all of this. Yeah, it's true. It's real, but it's only temporary. Now, to that, I say.:
3: Well, we, we hope it's only I mean we hope it's only temporary, uh, yeah.
2: because we're looking at this two-year grace period where you are eligible to get into the top 12, mm-hmm. which is another part of the discussion, because we kind of we kind of tipped it, tipped our hand up to it yesterday at the very end is this strong enough to get there? And we can debate that and talk about things. But the biggest thing now is to say what the wish is for year three. Because if this is a temporary triage this year and next year, then what happens then in year number three when there when there is no more grace period? And if there is some kind of a, it doesn't have to be this is what we're doing because they probably haven't been able to work on that at all. But, the plan for it, some kind of a thought process. Mm-hmm. When they say we want to, we want to take over the ownership, if you will, of the Pac-12 tw- and, uh, PAC and build it back out. What does that mean, right? Yeah. and they may not even had a chance to look at that. I'm sure, that, uh,
3: looking at it, yes, thinking about it, pondering, yes, constantly. But in the meantime, while well, you have to, you have a long range th- year three vision, as you've talked about, John. <laughs> At the same time, you have to get ink dried right on contracts, and you have yeah. to put together a schedule, and you've got yeah. there's so many things going on that, as you said, I think Ian Furness said, too, and others, the job right now in front of Pat Chun, Scott Barnes, unbelievable. I, I, I would look on it, and whatever they come up with, good for them. So I don't I guess <clears throat> I talked to Big Jim Wilson yesterday. That's the one thing the long drive to Portland and back. I called Jim as I hit Portland traffic. I said, Jim, what's your time situation like? Ah, I got a little time right now, Doc, why? I said, well, you could take me from the Markham Bridge to where I'm heading if uh, if you're able. And he did. And we had a long, as I made my way slowly through traffic, visiting with big Jim Wilson, who Actually, he thought all things considered, as, and this is kind of how I look at it too, John, and maybe maybe we are just too much, in a, and we are, that's why there's other platforms and other ways, and even here in opening up phones and text lines, we will take your calls and texts. Under the circumstances is sort of the <laughs> the qualifier, the disclaimer for everything. Under the circumstances, the schedule isn't, to me, to me, it's not bad at all. Jim even said, "I kind of like the schedule. I think it's a, a, pretty good schedule. It's a, it's a competitive, representative schedule. The Bees have a chance to win a lot of games. They could lose a lot of them too." He said because we things haven't settled. Jim said our range next year as he looked at the schedule. And and he's a smart individual, Jim Wilson. We all agree on that. We hard to agree on many things. Everybody agrees on that. <laughs> the range in his opinion is seven and five to eleven and one. You know, I mean, he thinks, depending on how it all shakes out, but he did go that way with it, 7-5, and saying, hey, at San Diego State, you barely beat them at home this past year. Oregon, Purdue, now at Cal, Cal is going to a bowl game after all. They, they got better this year. Jaden Ott is returning. Did yeah, you see Ott's deal? Yeah. After saying all of that, I'm entering the transfer portal. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm staying. It was pretty well done, pretty well played on Ott's part, the leading rusher in the conference. Mm-hmm. But road games at Air Force, that's problematic. Road games at Boise State. Yeah. I mean, a road game at yeah. Nevada. I mean, I you know, so it's fraught the schedule may not be everything that Beaver Nation wanted it, but it is fraught with peril along the way with some tough teams and tough venues and pretty good programs yeah. even the Mountain West ones, yes, Oregon, Purdue and Cal along with Washington State and we haven't been much in a habit of late of beating Washington State. Now I know times and in th- things and personnel and all of that dramatically different and changed. So maybe it's time to get on a streak against Wazoo the other way. But the point being, all things considered, under the circumstances, I I guess I kind of agree with Big Jim, and maybe we'll try to get him on next week when his schedule lightens up a little bit to talk about this, to talk about Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. We touched on that a little bit yesterday. He said, I've gone to work on it a little bit, Doc, but the problem is... We don't know who you know, who right. all will end up opting out or hitting the portal. Both programs have been hit dramatically right. in both realms, portal and opt-outs. So it's going to be difficult to know exactly what the personnel for both teams will be comprised of when we finally hit the field in El Paso in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl on December 29th. But if we get Jim on middle to late next week, we may have a little better feel about that mm-hmm. and talk to him about all things. But I could tell... In the conversation that took me, you know, from the Markham out to 102nd and uh, Burnside, and it was quite a journey through Portland traffic after a business meeting earlier in the day. That he like kind of likes the schedule now, kinda qualifies it. It's not none of us love it. It's not a Pac-12 schedule anymore. The the Pac-12 is no more. Yeah. So. All things considered, that f- major fact being considered, are most of you out there really, when you said it's not popular, perhaps in the realm of X and social media and so on, negativity tends to rise and people tend to get in and vent and complain. And, and that's a, it, it actually is a, a human quality which we must have without complaining and, and venting. A lot of things wouldn't get done in the world. I get it. But I'm just wondering if that's, I guess, the general opinion right now today. We didn't have time to canvas opinion much yesterday. Pat Murphy will join us at 1205 to talk about Pat Casey going into the College Baseball Hall of Fame. And he himself, Pat Murphy, a manager of a major league club, succeeding Craig Council as the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. So it'll be an honor to visit with Murph on a number of levels at 1205. In the meantime, open pones, your reaction to the release of the schedule, and do you, John says there's a lot of disappointment and belly aching going on about it in social media that he's seen anyway. There may be sites and places where, hey, you know, not bad. Hey, this is okay. Hey, part of the argument now is, and I've seen it kicked around by Nick Daschle on his ex-site, that the only shot the Beavers would have For the twelve-team playoff is to go twelve and zero, and even then could be left behind. So that that kind of that part of it could be a downer. I get that. If you think that that schedule and you run the table on it wouldn't get you in, I could see how that would depress people. But there are some people who think, yeah, you run the table on that schedule, no guarantee that you're even in the twelve. So first of all, it's like I can teach you how to live off. A million dollars for the rest of your life you have a million dollars I'll teach you how to live off that for the rest of your life as Steve Martin says first he says get the million get the million so part of me thinks well okay first just go 12 and 0 and then see where that gets you I I, I'm not in the camp that you have to do that to get into the top 12. Dashel said 11 and one as long as you beat o- Oregon's one of your 11 then you might have a shot at it. The loss, depend on who the why loss
2: does it? Why does it go s- slip so far down? Well, I you guess still we, you have two Big Ten teams, a former Pac-12 know. team, and some pretty good uh, Mountain, uh, Mountain West, West, West teams. I agree. I, I agree. Don't think you, and, and you're only talking about 12 spots, not four. That's true. That, But that's part
3: of the rhetoric out there. Well, it is. That, I was going to say,
2: yeah. I was going to follow yeah. up with you, that that amongst the disappointment, everyone's in agreement. Oh, wow, the best we can do is 11-1, and we'll never get in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. It just depends on the timing of any losses. You can't, I, I don't know, what are the top 12 right now? How many losses? I don't know. I'm I in for the know. top 12. That's a good question. I don't know. I, I think 11-1 and one will get you in. Of course it would, but probably not. maybe, of maybe two, but not. Uh, no, if you're 11-1 and one and you're not in the top 12, there's a problem. Okay. I mean, what about, how did uh, Liberty get in? Well, yeah, they didn't Liberty, have any top, yeah, top power Yeah, but they're not in the victories. playoff.
3: They're, they're in a New, a New Year's right. Bowl game. But that doesn't, Liberty would not be in a 12-team playoff running the table. You don't think so? No, because they didn't beat a, a ranked team. Uh, I'm not sure. No. It's just if you finish in the top 12 of that poll, not the CFP. But, right. And the, I don't know where, Liberty's CFP, like 23 or whatever.
2: Okay, well, uh, yeah, so but but then they, they wouldn't have made no, it. No, the right.
3: Beaver schedule is is more challenging next year than what Liberty did in going twelve and zero this year. So yeah. it's not perhaps an apt comparison that Liberty would left out. Therefore, the Beavers at eleven and one would be left out with that. Schedule. Well then we
2: need actually we also need an explanation because I don't know. I haven't thought this far ahead. TJ probably knows, um, and that is next year's plan when it's a 12-team playoff, right. what comes after that? Is it all the lowest of bowls? are? Is every New Year's Day and every well, quality bowl taken up to make the 12-team right. format? Or is there any really good New Year's Day or good high-quality bowls left right. that aren't a part of the New
3: Year's Day? It's a good the, question. Uh, I don't know. Playoff. I don't. I have not studied it much yet to know exactly how it's formatted. Jeff and Corvallis will get us rolling. We have open phones. Reaction to the schedule in the main or anything else you want to share your thoughts about today on a busy week again, 497-5356, the Downward Dog phone line, University Honda text line. Jeff, good morning.
4: Good morning, guys. Um there's my only disappointment on that schedule is that we uh, couldn't get Notre Dame on it, so they would have a revenge mm-hmm. game after we beat them in the Sun Bowl. <laughs> and it would have been yeah. nice yeah. to have it at their stadium on yeah. national TV. Yeah, yeah. That
3: said, uh, that said,
4: the the other the other side of this is is I are think people are i kind you? of disappointed out or of ch- anger ch- ch- of how things have changed. I I think. It's one of those careful what you wish for situations because through all of this, regardless of it, we've got a a, a brand new head coach. I've got a ton of, of confidence in him, but he's a rookie head coach. We've got a brand new offensive coordinator, so there's a lot of adjustments to be made, even though I know Damien's coming back and, and all of that sort of thing. So I, I think we need to kind of temper awesome. our awesome.
2: Thanks, our
4: anger of Having well we should be this years, or we should years, be years, that because the help. reality is if we were still in the in the Pac-12 if it still existed this could be a really challenging season every team that gets a new coach generally mm-hmm. goes through that mm-hmm. so I see yeah so I'm I'm fine with the schedule five would have been nice it's not a heartbreaker to me but yeah uh, so that's that's all I got.
3: Okay, Jeff. Good to hear from you. Thanks for getting us started. We'll take a break on that note. If you'd like to join us either via the text line or the downward dog phone line, I I suppose everything's got to be prefaced as under the circumstances, all things considered, whatever qualifying phrase you want to use, if you do look at it that way, are you still disappointed in the schedule? I can see disappointment not getting the five, five, the five power five. I I understand that when it was sort of hinted at, intimated at, dangled, I get, I get the disappointment, but beyond, so you missed. You fell short of that, okay? Beyond that, then, do you just, because you didn't get five power fives, junk the whole, nah, that's terrible. Is that how you feel about it today? Really? 497-5356, the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. So, open phones on the Joe Beaver
2: Show. I, I want to yeah. add that, again, I'm just a messenger. Yeah, I, I got gotcha. you. I actually... Given this, like you say, whatever qualifier. (laughs) Under the circumstances. Under the circumstances. All things considered. All things (laughs) considered, as things are. (laughs) Because, you know, you got to have a qualifier. Uh, And the Air Force game is kind of compelling. I I might Mm -hmm. want to go to a
3: game like that. Yeah, Dave 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 from from Dumbwater, he'll join us again here in a minute. I
2: fully agree with Dave on that. Um, You got two Big Ten teams now. I mean, technically. That rivalry, I'm glad the rivalry is still going. Um, Purdue's coming in, that was already going to happen anyway. It's not, I mean, even with some of the Mountain West, I'm not trying to, to yeah. suck up and be like a, oh, a beaver hack. No, you got to find the positives because otherwise <laughs> well, you're going to kill yourself. That's right. Because, and I
3: think it's kind of interesting. Because all we could do, I mean, you, you could look at everything. Yeah. You know, as doom and gloom, everything that's happened. Well, you could, and, and I think you acknowledge Pat Casey did it very well surprisingly pat said something you know well no <laughs> that's all he ever does <laughs> yeah but he said so yeah a tough time you had a good coach you lost him but you he didn't even mention his name he yeah. said you had a good coach well he moved on but now you just you know, trent bray and then he went on about how great the hire is and how excited that's what we've got to do right you don't we, stop we can get in and it, commiserate right we can and we've done that. I mean we've wallowed a little bit in all of this. We have and when you and when there's things that are still
2: going on, you pay attention to <sighs> yeah. it for that you hope and will perhaps the best outcome for yourself. That's why we could go over the litigation stuff so much. Yeah.
3: Exactly. Because
2: it's important. It's it is important very to important. the survivability and, yep. and the future. So yeah, we, we spent a
3: ton of time on that. And last thing before we get to calls and texts, and we appreciate you joining us today. Jimmy Wilson was very upbeat on the transfer portal guys. I like and agreed. We both like Anthony Hankerson as a running back. Mm-hmm. He's got some qual. He came out of high school St. Thomas Aquinas High School, football powerhouse, with uh, offers from Georgia, LSU, Texas A&M, Florida, Florida State, ended Pretty up good. going to Colorado. Yeah. Now he's come. I mean, he's good. He joins, you know, a good backfield. Uh, Hankerson's a good player. Mason White, DB transfer from TCU. Jacoby Thomas, a really big get. Considering that, in the portal, had offers reportedly from Auburn, Texas A&M, Louisville, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Memphis, others. Mm-hmm. That's a good get. And Jimmy Wilson said Van Wells is a good yeah, offensive lineman. People have looked a little bit down on... The Wells, oh, so you get a transfer from the worst offensive line in America, huh? No. (laughs) Jimmy, who studies these things, said Wells is actually pretty, he's probably the best guy. It was pretty good on the offensive front for Colorado and that a lot of the sacks, granted, the O-line probably needed to be better, and (laughs) I'm not going to say it was the greatest, but he said the Shador sanders sack numbers and i trust jim on this many of them many of them he said are a product of shador wanting to take a sack rather than throw an incompletion i've i read that too yeah that he held on to the ball too long that he took too many sacks so yeah the, the o-line was not good but it wasn't perhaps as horrible as the statistic w- would indicate and within that jimmy thought van wells was one of their better players i like it so that all driving along through traffic mm. in Portland yesterday. Jim Wilson made me feel better. That's all I'm looking for anywhere I go. <laughs> Can you say something to make me feel a little better? Now we're going to go to Mike, the mayor of Dogtown, before we get to Tumwater to see what he thinks about all of it. Mike, good morning. Morning, Mike. Hey. Uh,
0: you you know me. I'm I was put on third to inspire, motivate, and I kind of come to go watch and talk, listen to people. Circling the vortex, and it's like, you know, I feel really good about what's happening with OSU. Um, My mentors are Coach Blinty, Coach Miller, Coach Hundley. Uh, Back, we played the Polar Bowl against Oregon, and, you know, skill set, drive, and passion. Those three things I learned from Oregon State, and the one thing I see is we have those three elements. And our defense, our defense, I think our defense is going to be uh, locked down good. And uh, and I just, you know, Air Force coming, you know, um, my my uh, thinking about that game and with our lights and our sound, new sound coming, our place is going to be rocking. But, you know, the one thing that I see is that I would rather be where we are right now compared to what the other conferences and teams are going to go through the next, three to four years, um, at least we've got some control of where we're going. But I look at this as being a really positive thing. And, um, you know, I'll talk to Scott. I'll bring my dogs every game, home game next year, in amp Beaver Nation. And I just see that, uh, uh, I just see our team growing. You know, we got minus two, lost seven in a portal, gained five. Um, Man, man, I think, Coach, it's doing a great job. And the other thing I see is that the guys we're hiring are all Beavers. And that culture that I talked to my brother about is a diehard Duck fan. They don't get the culture. But us that are around, we do get it.
3: Well, you, when, I, when I say, Mike, and I appreciate you a lot, and thank you, when I say tell me something good, make me feel better, you've done it. Now, I think you <laughs> – I can't sit here and say and agree with you that we're in a you know I, I, that we're in a better place than I, I can't go that far because the place we're in we've been thrown into, cast into it by the the departure and the dissolution of the conference. So I can't sit here today with any stre- any uh, tincture, uh, of credibility and say, oh yeah, I like this better. I don't, I, I don't There's like no it TV better. Money I don't like it better. The television right. revenue and all of that. But I think what you're saying is you can make the most of the situation you're in. And it may be better than what a lot of people are saying. It is. It's not the end of the world. It's not disaster. Right. You have a chance to build it back out again. I'd rather not be in the position that Scott Barnes and, is in to try to piece things back together and build it out. But I think he's going to, and I think we, we the collective Beaver Nation fan base, the community, all of that, I think we'll be on that path and make it happen, and we're going to be okay. But I can't quite agree and say this is better than where we were before. I'm not going to say that.
0: I'm hoping, Mike, I'm hoping, down the road that it'll be better for us. But right now I agree with you. You know, we didn't do anything wrong. It's just so frustrating to me to see that. You know, we got gutted out and thrown in the ditch, mm-hmm. and we did nothing right, right when we we're just making a—right when the facility yeah. and the yeah. coach and all this stuff, all this is just like, we're right there. We're right. We're right there, and then all of a sudden, the rug gets pulled off.
3: us. See, there you go. That's right. But rugs can be pulled out. Right. It's and and be set back down again, and you build it back up again. And that's what Trent Bray, and I agree with you about the coaches. Maybe they're not all specifically all people with beaver ties, but many of them, most of them have uh, a real understanding of what Oregon State is, how to recruit to it, what the yeah, you know. so I think that's helpful in this time in building it back out to have people that know the territory, know the place, are relentless recruiters. As Angie Machado has reminded us when she joins us, Mike, I love talking to Angie about all of this because she said Trent Bray is in the living rooms with parents and with players, an absolute home run hitter, and he's got a staff around him of people that are in a very similar mode that are going to just, they're going to keep fighting and building and and do things the best they possibly can, and I think it's going to be better than what a lot of people are perhaps predicting for what happens to, to Oregon state. I like, I like a lot of the things I'm seeing and hearing and Mike, we appreciate your call and love for the Beavers too. Thanks for making the call today, Mike. We appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you guys for, for having me on. And I I can tell you this, I got a surprise for you and possibly for Gil in the next, hopefully pretty soon, a surprise for you at halftime and I'm going to rock the house. Nice. I can say, okay. So I'm, I'm hoping that'll happen and we're going to, we're looking forward. I'm just, you know what? We just try to look at the positive thing and uh, we got good people around us. No doubt.
3: No doubt about that. Thank you, Mike. Let's head north to Tumwater. Dave, I'm sure has a number of things with a, a, a decision later today by the Washington Supreme Court. We'll get Dave's thoughts perhaps on that, the schedule, Whatever else you want to weigh in on, we appreciate your call, Dave. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show.
1: Thanks, Mike, and good morning, John. Uh, yeah, I've already paid one visit to the Supreme Court this morning where I have my coffee. <laughs> is halfway between where I live and where the court is temporarily located. And I thought, well, since I'm halfway there, I think I'll just mosey on over <laughs> and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, nothing uh, nothing, nothing had been uh, filed yet. I had a nice chat with the clerks so whom I'm getting to be good friends with. You know, I've long kind of fantasized, what would it be like if I lived in Corvallis where I could just wander across town, go to a baseball game, mm-hmm. not have to drive, right. spend seven, eight hours on a road for a football game weekend. And so, uh, believe me, I would have preferred otherwise, but... I'm in this rare situation where the main, seemingly, or one of the main venues yeah. of Oregon State action is right here in Tumwater. That's amazing. That's, I, won't say I've got a, I won't say I've got a front row seat, but uh, anyway, I would prefer preferred otherwise. But the theme of the day, like I said Hi, yesterday, you guys have mentioned it, the previous caller. small part about rebuilding the dam, and at some future point, fellas, I, the vividness of this moment or this series of moments in time. I think it's going to be something we'll look back on. Boy, do you remember that summer of fall yeah. 2023? Mm-hmm. And so we, we just don't know how the story is going to play out, but uh, I, I'm still thinking it's it's going to be okay. We've got a couple of years to play with. So if I might, I'll just turn to Nick Dashell's proposition. Yeah. Uh, hopefully to uh, help uh, offer my own a potential elucidation on the situation. It's not the top twelve teams that get to the playoffs. It's actually the top eleven teams from the Power Conference and the best school who's not in the Power. Conference. Right now, here's where, as someone said, be careful what you wish for. Here's where the murkiness of the Pack Two Twelve comes into play because in the twenty-four and twenty-five season. Are Washington State and Oregon State powers a po- group of five schools or not? Right. And I don't pretend to know the answer to that question, but it's a, it's a potential complication. But like I said in regard to the schedule yesterday, all I was hoping for, making, the, making a virtue out of necessity, I wanted at least one road game against one of those front-range schools, Wyoming, Colorado State, and Air Force, because I wanted to go there again. Weeks ago, I said I had got truly, Mike and John. I had gotten tired of going to the Rose Bowl (laughs) against UCLA, not the bowl, right? And I had gotten tired of going to the Coliseum and to Arizona. There was a certain sameness to it. Cal, uh, Stanford, even Husky Stadium. None of none of those trips had any as devoted as I maintain I am Oregon State fan going to those places had no interest for me. I'd watch the game, listen to it, listen to your call, watch on TV. And so there's an element of new frontiers, new sites, new places to visit. So that, to me personally, that's kind of exciting. We got a one-front-range game. Looking forward to it, I hope it's not in mid-November when snow might be an issue, but a beautiful October day would be just fine. But I maintain to go back to Dash's
5: proposition.
1: I think Nick's overstating it a bit. We have only to look at SMU situation because the 12th spot in the six New Year's Day, the New Year six scenario, it came down to 12 and 0 Liberty and 10 and 2 SMU. The dyna- notwithstanding the Pac 12 Pac 2 power complication, which I think might be a real thing, mm-hmm. I think 10 and 2 certainly gets you in that conversation. I think winning all of the games get you there. And of course, to have won all of them means to have beaten Oregon uh, in research And how sweet would that be? But anyway, I just wanted to offer those few thoughts. And if you guys hear anything between now and one o'clock about the court ruling uh, having come in, I'll just uh, I'll throw the app on. I'll drive down to the court and see whatever I can find if you don't have to also put a quick emergency call to Alan. But anyway, thanks for taking my call.
3: Dave, no, thank you, but I'm a little, I just want you to set up, you know, sit sit down on the courthouse steps with a cup of coffee or whatever and wait it out. That's what you need to do today. Well, there
1: they're actually, actually, Mike, there actually is a little coffee shop. It's in kind of one of these campus-like environments. Right. The Department of Health is down there, and, but there is a coffee shop right in the center of that whole complex. There you go. And so I could do that. And, in fact, I might do that, but not until 1 o'clock. Okay. Because i got to catch every minute of it. <laughs>
3: you can do it on your phone and if you had a real That's commitment true. if you had a real commitment to us in the Joe Beaver show you'd make a beeline back to that coffee shop right now <laughs> Dave thank you so much good talking to you and we'll we'll talk soon I, I dare say thank you sir for the call We'll take a, a second break this hour Any thoughts on what's happening the transfer portal people that you're reading about coming in the schedule the schedule your thoughts uh, the threshold your understanding and Dave even I, I don't know all of the ramifications I somewhere I thought I read that the pack two will not be treated as a power five by the CFP people so it's not as though there's an automatic birth for the team that emerges in this independent we're, we're independence next year are we are not a member we're the pack two but because we're the pack two I don't think the PAC-2 is being looked upon as, quote, unquote, one of the power I, conferences I have, with an automatic berth. I just, I, I don't, I don't, I thought I read somewhere specific language saying no. That will,
2: early uh, on, it was floated to be that way, but I don't know what the final okay. word
3: is. Uh, let's get Greg in before the break. Can we do yeah, that? Yeah, sure. We, we don't, uh, we don't hear from Greg. We have time. I'm not sure which Greg it is. We'll find out here in a second, but we'll take Greg and then take a break before we visit with Pat Murphy, Major League Manager, Manager of the Brewers, friend of Pat, Casey's joining us at 12.05. Greg, good morning. Hey, Mike, John, this is
5: Greg in Mesa, Arizona. Yeah,
3: good. I thought it might be you, but we got a couple of other Gregs once in a while. So, hey, Greg, how's it going? Yeah, Quick
5: thought on the schedule. Um, I think Barnes was... Hoping to hit a home run, but I think threading the needle is better. In the scenario that the more winnable games, the better. Okay. For for this upcoming year, and I think the there are some who have looked at strength of schedule. It compares to Michigan's 60th ranked strength of schedule. That's basically the same range that that schedule comes out to Hmm. next year.
3: Interesting. Okay. So
5: the the range of the strength of schedule and having one extra. Power Five, quote unquote. Like if you're playing at Notre Dame, that that may be more of a loss than yeah, you know, you know than a home game against San Diego State or whoever you mm-hmm. might have coming in. you have you you've traded a home, possibly a home win of eighty percent win, to a thirty percent body bag road game at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And I think the short term of the financial gain of a payout game is is worse because as soon as you hit three losses next year there is zero beaver oregon state talk anywhere across the board even worse than this year if you hit two or three losses next year early you're done and then you're kicked to the curb and nobody cares but if you can run with one loss or zero losses deep into the season Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with a winnable schedule i think it's better and And the idea of salesmanship for recruits, like, hey, we're getting five, five P five schools on the schedule. It's like, well, maybe, maybe not. That's beneficial. The Mountain West is substantial challenge over the years. Anyway, so I think there's, there's some of that. And I think the other key issue is there isn't that cross country travel in that schedule. Is it? That's, no, that's no, it's a,
3: it's a regional, it's a regional schedule. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, yeah. The longest trip so would that, be that, to. That's what
5: Murphy yeah. was saying. Yeah. That's what Murphy was saying early on. And Barnes was kind of making that argument back in October, whenever is, uh, we're going to try and keep it regional. And if you've been able to do that you still have a, you know, a top 50 or a top mm-hmm. 60 strength of schedule type of winnable schedule, I think it's a win-win, even though it feels a little disappointing the goal next year needs to be win ten. Win ten or more. And and make them shut you out again.
3: And right. I, I hear you. Yeah.
5: If you can get to that point, now you've got now you've got you know, whether the settlement goes that far, but you're forcing yourself back into play with the Big Twelve or mm-hmm. whatever those scenarios and everything else that's kind of been uh, put into motion since Florida State got snow. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited for Bray. The more I read about him, the the more I'm excited. And actually, it appeals to me more than Jonathan Smith. I'm uh, hugely disappointed in Jonathan Smith and how that went. And I'm, I'm actually wondering if the, uh, once the coaches are announced, the staff may be better better suited to where we're at than had Jonathan Smith stayed in, in some ways. Just a bunch of young, hungry guys that are ready to get after it, rather than trying to play it safe with... Uh, a group that's been together for hmm. six or seven years and okay. they're all going out together. They're all you know, that's what I'm hoping for. Okay. I hope Bray is the next Casey in the in the school's history.
3: Right. right. I can
5: see it I so think guys I'll let you go.
3: Great. good to hear from you. There's another call that uh, <laughs> makes you feel better, feel good. And and while I I'm, I'm more inclined in a sense to agree across the board with Greg's optimism, Mike was a little too much saying we're in a better place. I'm not quite sure quite yet that you would say you would take going into kind of an an uncertain period about where you're going to land and all of that, that you would want the full upheaval of of a head coach who's had a good run of success and so on, leave you. I'm not so sure I would have argued that that in the long run will be better. I'm not quite there yet either, any more than I was with Mike saying this is a better position to be in than being in a conference. I, I, I think both things... I get, though, the thinking, and I like the direction of the thinking, let's go, you know, let's let Trent become a rising star and build this thing out in his way and his style and his image with coaches that are young and hungry and relentless, not getting in a sense in any way sort of stuck in ways and patterns and so on that maybe even as fans this year at times, you know, we're doing this again or we're going to go for it on fourth down again or we're going to, you know, whatever. <laughs> maybe there is something in the vital youth and fresh uh, staff and young people that are going to get after it and keep the Beavers very much alive and viable. We'll take a final break this hour on the Joe Beaver Show on Joe Radio. Uh, Harold yeah, has called let's in. get Harold in. So we've got about him two minutes. Yeah, the skipper, Pat Murphy at 12.05, when we were setting it up and I texted him, he said, if Pat Casey's the subject, I'm in. Yeah, so we we'll look forward great. to talking to the skipper of the Milwaukee Brewers. Harold, good morning. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Good morning.
6: Uh, one thing about all the – everybody's been talking about the coaches and everything. And one person that they haven't really talked very much about is Scott Barnes, who could have just bailed out on us when this thing all fell apart. That he sat down and rolled up his sleeves
5: mm-hmm.
6: and went to work trying to get this thing back on track.
3: Because
6: mm-hmm. he's got a
5: whole lot of other teams to take care of, too.
3: No doubt. Oh, yeah.
5: I,
2: I always the, job all is the is credit as, in
3: the world. The job is always difficult in the best of times. If you talk to Greg Byrne right now at Alabama, he would tell you. Every job is difficult. He's been at Arizona as the AD there. He's been here. He's worked for Mitch. He's worked here as an associate AD. Every job has its challenges, and even at Alabama where money rolls in and boosters and all of that, Harold, it's tough. But I'm not sure anybody in the country right now has anything tougher than the two guys out here in Scott Barnes and Pat Chun. Yeah, that's why.
6: That's my whole feeling on that deal. We better be grateful that we got them.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I was very nervous during all of this when I saw that Jen Cohen was leaving Washington, and I just thought, "Oh my gosh, no, no, not not now." And he chose to stay. And whether he was offered, I don't know the details of all of that. But I know he was a prominent candidate. Softy Mahler was. Hey, well, there's only one guy for this job, and that, and he's on his airwave with airwaves with his mm-hmm. husky honk influence, saying we got to go get Scott Barnes. And whether Washington tried or not, I don't know the backstory on that. But I, I agree with you, Harold. I'm glad that he's leading the Beavers through these through these uh, challenging times. Well, he could have taken the health route, too. Yeah, no, there, no doubt. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I think after a cardiac event, don't cardiologists tell you, hey, kind of reduce your <laughs> stress level. Oh, okay. Let's blow up the Pac-12 and see how that works. Hey, thanks a lot. Yeah, for No stress, yeah. <laughs> no
4: stress level. <laughs> no, <there>. no.
3: <laughs> thanks a lot for the call, Harold. Pat Murphy, the skipper of the Milwaukee Brewers, on his own elevation to that position at the age of 65, and his good friend Pat Casey going to the Hall of Fame. Testing, testing, one, two, three, four. In these contentious times... Sir, you've asked a simple-minded question. I will give you an
2: equally simple-minded answer.
1: We invite you to escape for the next couple of hours into the world of The Joe Beaver Show with your hosts, John Warren and Mike
3: Parker, and occasionally, Doug Blair. All right, man, we're
0: not here to sell lemonade. <laughs> we're here to
3: practice. No one breaks it down any better. Old Indian game.
4: It's called, uh,
5: put the ball in the hole. So, uh, oh, What are these little arrows?
4: Let
1: Joe Beaver be your guide into the bold new world of technology. That's radio, that's going to break down a lot of walls. Yeah. The door is wide open. Recreation
2: time, gentlemen.
1: So come on in.
3: Be a part of the Joe Beaver Show on the home of the Beavers, 1240 Joe Radio. Mike Parker with John Warren as we head into the second hour. This is a, a rare honor, just as it was earlier in the week. We had Pat Casey himself on the show to congratulate him on his uh, election into the College Baseball Hall of Fame. And as we were talking to Case about a number of things, I kept thinking about the battles through the years with Oregon State and Arizona oh, yeah. State, some great theaters, some tremendous competition, tremendous men in both Pat Casey and Pat Murphy, who both came into their jobs within the conference in 1995. Pat Murphy at ASU, Pat Casey at Oregon State, and the ensuing games through the years were tremendous. And I'm so happy for both men, Pat Casey into the College Baseball Hall of Fame, and our next guest, Pat Murphy, elevated after eight great years as the bench coach for Craig Council and the Milwaukee Brewers, the manager Named a month ago today, Pat Murphy, Mm. the manager, the 20th in the history of the Great Brewers franchise. Pat Murphy joins us to talk about that and his friend and competitor on the diamond through the years, Pat Casey. Murph, good afternoon. Thanks for your time. Congratulations to you on the job.
6: Uh, My pleasure to be here. Anytime I can spend some time talking about Casey the Oregon State program is a, is
3: a real pleasure. Pat, you both did come into your jobs, as I mentioned, in 1995, and you didn't encounter Case until the 99 season, but I'm wondering what it was, even in those early days when Pat was, you know, the unification of the South and the North and so on, what you sort of observed in what was going on under him at Oregon State. Yeah,
6: I mean, for certain, um, we're thinking to ourselves in the six-pack, we're pretty arrogant. We think we we got it figured out, and we think we're the best conference in baseball. And it it kind of showed up that way that the sixth place team in the six pack could maybe win the national championship. It was that that competitive. And but um, so we get to we got to play these northern teams, and sure enough, uh, we play Oregon State, and uh, it's freezing cold up there, and, <laughs> you know. And then you soon realize, like, hey man, these guys are not afraid. <laughs> you know what Uh, they're they're every bit as good as we are and how they doing it. But there was a time when case came to me and he asked me to stay an extra day after a three game series. I want to say 2000, we played up there and, uh, I stayed an extra night. He took me to some hamburger, hamburger joint downtown. Um, and we sat and talked and he was, he was kind of questioning like, Hey, can we really do it? Can we really compete in the Pac 10? And, um, I assured him, I said, Case, I'm telling you. Not only can you compete, you can be great. And and you can do it with your local kid. You know, those those big recruits. It was getting to be about a time in co- college baseball where those scouts were so good, those big recruits were all signing. The scouts could sniff it out. Not just the real talented ones, but the ones that were ball players. So the Dustin Pedroyas who got the school, the Kobe Ellsbury who got the school. Those kids weren't getting to school. And, um, yeah, so, so I assured Case that I, I felt like they could get it done. He could get it done with uh, Oregon kids. And sure enough, I think the greatest college baseball story um, in all of college baseball, and I've been part of it, you know, for 50 years, and I'm telling you, it's the greatest story. He did it with Oregon kids, and he did it with just, you know, loving his kids and having great discipline and, he deserves everything that comes
3: his way. Pat Murphy, our guest, the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers and reflecting on some really amazing and special times, love and discipline. We'll get back to that here in a moment. You just mentioned both of those words with respect to coach Casey and you've always operated in that way too, Pat, the, the very fact that Murph asked, I mean, that Case asked you to stay over and took you to a hamburger joint. Pat didn't do that with all the coaches in the league. So there had to be something, Pat, that both of you kind of saw or felt in each other. What about just sort of your, the beginning of your relationship and the friendship through the years?
6: Yeah, it wasn't like me to do that. I tell the story all the time when I was at Notre Dame, a young coach, I'm 27 or 28 years old. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I get this Notre Dame job because the program wasn't any good. Maybe. They didn't care, you know, about having a great program and didn't fund the program or anything at the time. And uh, so I got lucky and got the job. Well, the, some guy named Itchy Jones, legendary Itchy Jones from the University of Illinois, asked me to go to lunch. You know, and I immediately turned him down. Like, are you kidding me? You cross if you cross the street, I might hit you with a car. But I'm not taking you to lunch. And uh, so I didn't have that with many guys. But um, yeah, case was. You could just see, man. He's he just intent, passionate, um, a great competitor.
3: Pat, the, the there there you mentioned, and I was there at the luncheon in '05 in Omaha when the Beavers broke through the first time in 53 years, and when you got up to speak, before you even talked about your teams your own team season, you said, what about this guy here, Pat Casey, bringing Oregon State to Omaha? You, What you just said about it's the greatest college baseball story you've seen in 50 years, you were feeling that in Omaha in 05. Tell me again, Pat, why, okay. why that made such an impression on you.
6: Because they shouldn't have been good, you know. And, and uh, when I took over Notre Dame, two scholarships, no field, um, you know, But I had the great university behind me. Not that Oregon State is a Mm -hmm. great institution, but a national institution like Notre Dame, at least we got great kids. We got kids like Craig Council. Um, And, you know, Oregon State didn't have that allure nationally uh, necessarily. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they didn't have the facilities. And the six-pack was so developed. I mean, these teams and the coaches they had, Mark Marcus, Mike Gillespie, You know, Jerry Kendall. I mean, these are legends in college baseball that that you just weren't going to dethrone those guys, you know, and uh, Case just did it his way and uh, just stood toe-to-toe with all of us. It was a beautiful thing, and from Oregon, and recruited kids from Oregon. We never never even knew they played baseball in Oregon, basically, (laughs) when you're, you're down here. You know, we learn quickly. We learn quickly.
2: Well, on that note, again, uh, Pat Murphy, uh, Milwaukee Brewers head coach, uh, manager joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. John Warren here with Mike Parker. Coach, you, you mentioned earlier the arrogance that you guys had when it was the six and what you just finished off with that you learned quickly. Talk a little bit, if you could, about the, the, uh, uh, the resistance, perhaps, by the marquises of the world, who didn't want to go with the full-on Pac-10 at the time. And I know Pat Casey was lobbying for that and, and could have been the reason for that eventually happening. And, and then, of course, Oregon State did what they did once the unification occurred. But what about the resistance by the other guys that were in your group of six?
6: Yeah, no one likes change. You know how that is. These guys are scooting along, and um, no one likes change. You know, and if you were in the top four and sometimes five, unless you were a young, brash coach from Notre Dame, if you were in the top four or five, then you were getting into NCAA and you were going to have a good seed, and nobody wanted to play you. And there was a chance you could host. So why would they want to change what they had? And, um, you know, it was good for the conference and badly it's not still together, but um, it won't be soon. But it's, um, yeah, it was just a matter of guys that were, these guys were great coaches, man. They taught mm-hmm. me so much. I'm so thankful for those guys, like Marcus and Gillespie, rest of soul, um, Andy Lopez, Jerry Kindle. You um, know, just those guys are real baseball people. And uh, I was lucky enough to get to compete against them.
3: Pat Murphy, our guest, Coach Casey on Monday, uh, Pat, talked about the two guys in particular, Marquis and Gillespie, and particularly Gillespie. Somehow, someway, there was something, too, that Pat saw in Mike, the late, great Mike Gillespie, that it, you know, maybe it was Mike's support. He said, hey, this isn't good for us. You know, we in the South, the Six, don't want to play you, but we need to. It's the right thing. And Mike kind of endorsed it early, did you feel the same way, Pat? I mean, how did did you kind of I, how did you feel about it?
6: I don't I don't remember what my stand was, but uh, I hope I was on the right side of it. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't remember. Okay. I know I wasn't vocal against it, right? But um, even though I was vocal about a lot of things, I shouldn't have been. But it was, <laughs> it was one of those deals that, like, um, it is the right thing. You no, know? it is the right yeah.
3: thing. Yeah, Pat. Uh, The other thing, too, that you said you didn't go to lunch when you could have at Notre Dame. You and Casey have a hamburger. You stay over an extra day. I think it might have been the 2001 season and, you know, the Beavs. I remember, I think the Beavs won the series that year here, actually, and that felt like a breakthrough moment to actually, we've just beat Arizona State in a series, and that was a gigantic sort of stepping stone for Pat. But you guys began to be friends and, all through the years, and when you would get on, you would be on a committee. I remember Kay saying, well, Murph thinks we got a chance. We might be. I mean, you guys had each other's backs through all the battles, it seemed like.
6: No doubt. No doubt. I mean, I, I just knew a guy had had a similar passion for, for winning and wanted to break through the old guard who kind of politically, um, you know, ran it the way they wanted to run it, and they didn't like the two young whippersnappers coming up. Uh, that we're doing it their way, so I think we had we had misery loves company, and <laughs> we were uh, we naturally uh, drawn together, and yeah, we uh, we had some great times and battled our ass off on the field and uh, hated each other for three days, and <laughs> called each other names. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's. Uh, I'd like to ask you about that. I mean, you both fiery, fiery competitors. So, what was it like then when you got between the lines? Because you know there were times when there'd be some shouting back and forth.
6: <laughs> no doubt about it. Couldn't be any other way. Uh, took some pressure off the players, and uh, yeah, there was some of it was orchestrated. Some of it was was kind of real. Uh, one of the Oregon State mound after a strikeout and uh, stared in the dugout, mm-hmm. the kid that I had recruited, mm-hmm. and uh, I just, I had to let him know how I felt about it, <laughs> Case Case came out there, Case came out there, and I was the Case came out there, like, you know the story, Case, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you always got to defend your players, and he did,
3: Yeah, we yeah. had some good words. That was a memorable moment. That was in '09 in our ballpark, uh, Pat Murphy, and I, I remember. I remember it pretty well. It was it was great theater. So whether it was orchestrated or not, you guys were were battling. It was it really was fun to watch. I miss those times, Pat. I really do.
6: Well, I tell you, um, I do too in a lot of ways. Um, but you're censored a lot more in the job I'm in now. You're censored a lot more. It's... Uh, <laughs> Back then, it just seemed like a neighborhood game, and it was. It was great competition, and uh, yeah. In '07, uh, we were a pretty good team and, and rolling along, and coming off a World Series, and uh, went to the World Series again. And I lobbied hard to get Oregon State mm-hmm. a, an opportunity. We had swept them then the season. sure as heck, as, State fate would have it, I lobbied so hard that they beat our ass and eliminated us in the World Series, won the national championship, and we could have been playing, you know, uh, East Texas State or something, and, you know, we're playing Oregon State, and we just swept them, and then you don't do that very often. Yeah, they They beat our butts.
3: That's the thing that I was talking about. You guys had each other's backs, and you lobbied. And I remember get I remember the moment coming down I five. The Beavers had gone into UCLA and won a series to get to ten and fourteen. I mean, ten and fourteen in the Pac ten, but they'd had a high RPI. But you in the last home stand swept the Beavers, a couple of them shutouts, Mike Leak and others dominated. I mean, it was an incredible team you had, as you know, and you swept the Beavs, but the Beavs got their series winning. I remember the bus pulling over on I-5 coming back from PDX after the trip to UCLA. Case got off the bus to talk to you. He didn't want to have the conversation on the bus. He gets back right. on, he gets back on and kind of smiles and said, I'll talk to you. He told me, I'll talk to you about it when we get home. <laughs> but you you lobbied so hard, Murph, that I think it helped. It helped. You had you had Pat Casey, who you knew could be a threat in Omaha. You still went to bat for him.
6: No, no, I, I wasn't thinking about myself. I was thinking about the right thing to do. And um, it didn't make perfect sense on paper, but I knew they were capable. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes you just go with it. And it was the right thing to do for those kids in that program. Mitch Cannon, I think, was he on that team?
3: Yes, he was.
6: Yeah. So Mitch Cannon uh, yeah. was on that team. And, uh, you know, those are the things you do for the uh, people you think deserve it, you know. And I, it wasn't on paper. They shouldn't have been in on paper. And I had to answer to a lot of other coaches. I, I didn't make the decision by myself. Right. But I did have to answer to a lot of other coaches. like, how in the hell can the seventh place team or whatever they were get in and leapfrog two or three teams in their own conference? And then I didn't have to say a word because then they won the national
2: championship. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say the pressure had to have been released when they won the title. <laughs> hey Pat, last couple well, of things. I was yeah.
6: so I was so I was so pissed at that point. <laughs> I didn't care. I was like <laughs> <laughs>
3: Hey Pat. I was starting to agree with the people. Yeah, like, right. You're right. You yeah. shouldn't have been. It. Should have left him out. Pat Murphy with us for a couple of more minutes. Last month, named the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm curious, Pat, about love and discipline that you spoke about with respect to Coach Casey, and that's always been your approach at the collegiate level. See, I, that resonates. Does it work? Is that the whole thing? It's got to be about too. Now, as a manager in the major leagues. It's
6: baseball, man. You know, you guys know. You've been around it long enough. This isn't, this isn't that much different. Yeah, it's, it's a different game at the league level. These are the best in the world. These are professionals. They don't need our, they don't need our hovering. They don't need our. Sometimes they don't need us at all. Um, but, but it's still it's about people, and they got to feel that love, and they got to know there's some sense of responsibility, and that there's discipline around, and. With that love and
3: discipline, I think that's the way most most organizations run, and uh, I think it's essential. Kai, uh, we had I loved your son Kai, and I'm glad he t- give us an update on him. Corvallis Knights with the Beavers for a while, uh, making his mark. Starting, I mean, what's happening with Kai Murphy? Who we didn't have long enough here, but I I really enjoyed the young man. What's going on with your son, Kai? Well,
6: um, thanks for asking. Um yeah, um, Kai and I raised each other alone together. So <laughs> it was a great journey for me being a single dad and, and having him full-time. And, um, yeah, in uh, that case, he recruited him, and uh, he came here. Mitch Cannon gave him a great opportunity and get to play regularly as a pitcher as a freshman. And uh, then COVID hit. Dad uh, Dad had a heart attack uh you know, that concerned him, That that rattled him. You know, it's just me and him in the world. And so, with that, he uh, he wanted to come home. So, he came to Arizona State and uh, was a two way guy for them, started in right field and, and pitched. And then uh, the next year, he just played right field, didn't want to pitch anymore. And Padres signed him. He's had a terrific year and a half for the Padres. So, he's uh, ended up in high A and had a terrific year uh, just coming into his own. You know, he didn't have a lot of at-bats. You know, high school he did, but after high school he had had really two years of at-bats with the COVID year, knocking that out. So uh, he's a little behind with at-bats, but he's uh, doing great.
3: Yeah, and the numbers showed some power, too. I was glad to see that. I kind of looked at him. I mean, that's great. We look forward to tracking him and following him. Uh, Pat, it was a real pleasure to have him with us when he was here in town and would make the trips with you.
6: It's it's, uh, been a way of life for him. and I'm just thankful he wants to stay part of it the way he does. He's extremely passionate um, about his work. He's a smaller guy, as you know, but uh, I wouldn't bet against him too often. Yeah.
3: Final thing, and that is just your own... (laughs) You're, you're, you've been with Craig Council, you coached him at Notre Dame. I mean, you, you were his right-hand man for eight years in being named. You also have a guy now in Ricky Weeks as associate manager. I mean, this is a whole, we don't have time, but I'm just curious, Murph, about just building a staff for retaining people and going to work now as a major league manager and how excited you are about, about this opportunity in your life. Yeah, I'm very thankful.
6: Very, very grateful. Very thankful. You know, um, it takes, it takes a lot of people just like Casey's staff up there. It, it always took a lot of people. And, um, I've had a 37 year relationship with counts. Um, I got the, I was supposed to be mentoring him, but I learned a lot from him. He was a great manager. He was a great manager. I'm going to see a lot of them right down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a great journey. I've got a great staff put together. I'm excited about it. Um,
3: you know, we're like
6: offensive linemen. We open holes. You know, that's what we do. We open holes and hope the backs run through it, and they score the touchdowns and they, they get the glory. And we don't know what we don't know what we did sometimes. You know, sometimes they would have scored without us. Sometimes they might have needed us, but it doesn't matter. That's our job, and just get back in the huddle, button your chin strap, and do it again. So that's what we're playing about.
3: Pat, congratulations on that, and thank you for making time for us back here in the mid valley and in in, uh, in Oregon, talking to the folks in Corvallis and Albany and so on about one of our favorite people of all time, and Pat Casey. And the fact that you made time for us today means a lot to us, uh, Skip. Thanks for taking time for us, Pat. We appreciate it. My my
6: pleasure. Anything to do with Pat Casey, I'm in.
3: Thanks a lot. Good Thanks, luck Coach. to you, Pat. Thanks for joining us, Pat Murphy, the manager. Of the Milwaukee Brewers from the heart, you can tell why those two are friends. They're I, very similar. I remember thinking, "Man, Casey's always talking about." I talked to Murphy the other day. Yeah, Murph says this. I talked to Murph. I, I didn't hear that about a lot of the other skippers around the <laughs> conference, but it was clear those two bonded yeah. and have stayed, you know, uh, great friends. And so our thankfulness to Pat Murphy, a sitting manager in the big leagues. That's a first on yeah. the Joe Beaver Show. Yeah. And only the second time I've spoken with a sitting manager, Tony La Russa, the other, back in the early 90s in Portland. Really? can't remember why exactly. Our PR, Scoop McKillop, a great beaver, Kevin McKillop, producing the show. You know, I, that was the whole get him on the fan. You know, uh, <laughs> we need to talk to Rick Adelman, get him on the fan. P.J. Carlissimo, get him on the fan. We, everybody was on the fan. We've got to get him on the fan. <laughs> and he said, you want Tony La Russa on the fan? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I reached out. And is available. Well, yeah. So Tony LaRusso. <laughs> that, so that's two now. Two for me, as Romy would say. Let's take a break. Any thoughts on that conversation, Murph, Case, anything you want to reflect on? 497-5356, the schedule. Anything else? Jason John Baptiste, a little later in the hour. The Joe Beaver Show, 497-5356 on Joe Radio. This is Oregon State wide receiver Anthony Gould, and you are listening.
2: Just played that. It's got to get off the system. Who was it? Anthony
3: Gould? Yeah. Okay. Open phones on the Joe Beaver Show down the stretch, 497 53 56. We will pause down in a few minutes and visit with Jason Jean Baptiste. Jason was a defensive end for the Beavers from 2001 through 2003. He has a unique perspective. In that, he he was teammates with our last two head coaches. Mm-hmm. A young man uh, by the yeah. name of Jonathan Smith, and then a linebacker by the name of Trent Bray. When's he joining us? Jason will be on at about 12.50. So we have some open phone oh, opportunities okay. now. Kind of want to close with Jason, his thoughts about what's been happening, what he's reading, seeing, hearing, his thoughts about the Bray hire, the schedule Jason, yours truly, and A.J. McCord, tomorrow night, we hope you'll join us, it's 8 o'clock tomorrow night at Beaver City Sports Bar in Delhi on 5th Street in downtown Corvallis, the old university hero, we appreciated Dave being on, his story, his two sons playing at Oregon State, so we're keeping it in the family tomorrow to kind of get rallied up and build on the theme of go man go, let's go Beeves. and <laughs> As difficult as it is at times even to see, okay, well, the schedule didn't move me. It didn't do much for me. I'm disappointed (laughs) in the schedule. Yeah. Oh, another person lost in the portal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Decommit on the recruit. Oh, yeah. I know. It's all. It's real. It's true. But our hope is to not just kind of linger and wallow, but okay, fight through it. Let's go. Right. Right. Really enjoyed the conversation with Pat Murphy. That you can tell right there. A genuine love and friendship between those two men. Yeah, just the very fact that you know I, he told the story about his own life. I will take you to lunch. Are you kidding me? I'll run you over with a car. I <laughs> want to go to lunch with you. That's how Case felt about most other coaches in the league. I'm I'm fighting you. I'm yeah. trying to beat you. You're trying to beat me. Somehow these two kindred spirits in a very real sense, and it, through Pat's own incredible competitiveness, and he competed like crazy and even not eliminated Murphy's Sun Devils yeah. from the '07 7 World Series run, 12-6, to 6, final score, after the Beavs had been shut out and I think scored one or two runs the whole three-game series at Goss, get to Rosenblatt, and the Beavs had gotten hot and beat Murph and the Sun Devils 12-6 to 6 in an elimination dominated game for in ASU. That
2: game. I remember watching yeah. that. Beautiful. And... Uh- and it was Murph's
3: fault. He got he, the Beavers he in. He got him in, and then they beat him. <laughs> Let's go to uh, Dave on the Downward Dog phone line. The text line's available. Any thoughts on the conversation with Pat Murphy? Anything else you want to reflect upon? 497-5356 on the Joe Beaver Show. Dave, good afternoon.
7: Good afternoon. Yeah, Boy, that conversation with Murphy was insightful, and it, it came, to, came to my mind. Uh, about Casey, just, uh, you know, he, he. if that murder never happens, he doesn't play against those greats, you know, right. on a regular basis, right? And and do you wonder does he become the coach he is if he doesn't have that internal drive to compete with those great guys? Right. You know, if, if that's not there. So just just a quick thought on that, and, and maybe someday, you know, it, I, I wish I thought of it the other day, because it would have been a great question to ask him, you know, do you think he'd get to that point? You know, with the program and into the Hall of Fame without without all of those things coming together and, and, and coaching against those other guys on the other side, you know, on the other other sideline, right? So, uh, you know, just just a thought. Now, getting back to football, real quick. I know I, I texted John on the on the clue line, but. Uh, you know, we've had the schedule for 24 hours, and I haven't seen any more guys that hit the portal. Well, I haven't seen any more decommits. Maybe I'm missing it. I don't know. And maybe this weekend we'll, we'll tell a little bit more. But it looks like the bleeding stopped. So if the schedule is good enough for the players we have and, and to keep some other guys coming in, you know, we're, I think we're getting some quality guys in the transfer pool right now. But, uh, you know, if it's good enough for those guys, does it kind of tell the fans, like, hey, we we might have something something decent going here. Um, and my only other comment is, you know, if we end up, you know, jumping into the Big 12 ACC merger or whatever it is next year, so to speak, this this is a one-year deal, I and mean, you can look at it and say, oh, this is horrible, this is what our future looks like, or you can say it, it may not be at all, and maybe just one year. And if we perform like you had a caller earlier say, you perform at that level, it's gonna be hard for somebody to say, you know, we don't want you know that you don't want the Beavers, right? So I, I think that's uh that's uh that's something to work with, it's something to look forward to and, and you just go go get what you have next year and, and make it happen and hopefully uh hopefully keep the keep building on the team that we have. I think we still have quality here. Yes. A lot of
2: quality no doubt. There, so no no doubt. Doubt. thank you Dave. Good to hear from you sir. Yeah, he's uh I, I like his points there. Um, he made one earlier and I forgot what my retort was going to be, but it was a good one. Oh, I, yeah. I do have a question though. Yes. Along the lines of what Dave was talking about. He kind of reminded mm-hmm. me of this and that is, and we talked about this off the air is would an eight, no Oregon state team get ranked as high as an eight and no Fresno state team.
3: I guess it would depend on who the eight, you know, are you talking about like in the mountain West schedule? Well, I mean, but next year with the Beaver schedule, because the Beavers I, are out eight, no next year. Yeah. Because
2: nope. I I almost feel like they're they're um, being relegated down from victim to perpetrator it, with the optics. For yeah. some reason, it's like this. There's there's this uh, there's this uh, talk by by the callers and things with this tilt towards well, we have to be twelve and zero right to but have any chance. Does Fresno State right. have
3: to be twelve and
2: zero we, well, to have any chance? I don't think so. In the twelve
3: team format, you mean? I mean, yeah. right, right. Yeah.
2: Well. Because it seems like that that when a, a Mountain West team in the past, whether it be, of course, UNLV in basketball, or that's a different animal, but in football, uh, Fresno State, Pat Hill, those those teams had uh, a lot of respect. Um, Boise State, of course. Yes, yes. And <clears> even <throat> this year, I think Fresno State jumped out. They won at Purdue, and they they jumped out to a quick early uh, good record that had them. You know, looking pretty good with the pollsters and the AP and other things. And it was early, three, four, five weeks into the season. Um, but it's almost like this negative
3: talk, like Oregon State deserves to be overlooked. So, yeah, I, I almost, John, I think it has a chance in an odd way. Who knows where we're going to be a year from now in the machinations yeah. of a committee and all of that. But I almost think it could work the other way for you, That, that I do think... There's been a general sense within college football's, you know, whether power base or powers that be or most people that I see tweet on the national level, what a raw deal Oregon mm-hmm. state and Washington state are getting. This is but none of their own doing. They've been left behind. I think the rhetoric is where they've been left on. Well, no, not if they win games or I think your argument is this idea that, Oh, poor Beavers, poor Cougs oh, it's too bad they're just out of everything now. You're worried about that kind of thinking taking place. From Beaver Nation. I mean,
2: why are people so – you've got to be undefeated in order to get any kind of thing. Well, I don't think Fresno State needs to be that – I mean,
3: they do. I I hear what you're saying. I do hear what you're saying, but I do think that it could work the other way in a sense for you, too. That if there's a chance to reward – and the Beavers and Cougs have legitimate – Records with good wins, and the Beaver schedule provides even greater opportunity yeah. than Washington State's does. And if you are an 8-0 team and you've defeated Idaho State, you've won at San Diego State, you've beaten Oregon and Purdue in mm-hmm. back-to-back weeks at Reese, you're going to be talked about across the land. That's what I Look would at think. Oregon State. I don't think you're going to be punished by it or penalized. I well, think it'll I, work the other I way. I
2: agree with you, but okay. if I, it just seems like everybody's in the doldrums like, oh, well, the only way to get into the top 12 is to be undefeated. Well, I
3: know because the the people that are in the doldrums about it are thinking it's un. I, people are saying the Oregon game, that's a lot. Oregon game's a lot. If we played the pocket schedule game, I'm not conceding that right now. I wouldn't concede. Who knows like where you. Oregon's going to be? I mean, I know they're going to be good, really good. I get that. But you got them in your own ballpark early. You can win that game. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You can. Of people are just ah, are you saying, like the time you and I said back in 06, you know, the Beavers are beginning to play better. I think the Beavers have a chance, have a chance to hang in and compete against USC. That was in the, like, October of 2006, and we get a call. Somebody called, are you guys, am I hearing you right? You really think Oregon State has a chance to beat you? Yes, not only has a chance, we think they're going to. (laughs) Clinton Polk, 99 yards. Yes, and I felt less optimistic about it when Evanson Bernard couldn't play. And then Polk, you're right. 22 carries, 99 Mm -hmm. yards. Matt Moore, a transcendent game. Sammy Strotter, the glorious punt return. 30-10 30-10 to 10 Beavers, hang on to win. Jeff Van Orso, thank you forever. Yeah,
2: that was, uh, was that the beginning of the run?
3: No, no, they had begun it earlier, and that's why we were saying, hey, the Beavers are showing signs of... No, but I'm against those wins at home against USC. Yeah, yeah. 6, 8, and 10. Yeah. Mm-hmm, that was the first. Pat is on the Downward Dog phone line. I don't know if it's Murph calling back. Hey, something else <laughs> I forgot about Casey. Hey, Pat, good afternoon. Sorry, not, not a major league manager this time. <laughs> Good to um, hear from you, Pat.
5: Yeah. Say, uh, it sounds like, you know, as I'm going through my own head after listening to the talk the last couple of days and schedule and everything, it, I think a lot of people are assuming we're going to have the team we have this year, next year. I know. Which I would love to see. I know. The last time I checked, I have no idea who the quarterbacks are going right. to be, who the <clears throat> linemen are going to be. So... To me, and I think we're all, as, as usual, you know, we used to fall victim to like, well, you know, ESPN would do the playoff thing from the first uh, right. week. And, you know, they're going to be doing that from the middle of the summer on this year. And, and we've kind of fallen into the trap, too, and I understand mm-hmm. it. But it's like a first-year coach with all these questions, if you told me we were 8-5 and five and yeah. we went to a bowl game, Yes. I thought, like, well, that's a pretty dang good year for the first year right. that we have no idea what's going to be happening. Now, you look at the schedule, and certainly you'd like to think you're going to beat uh, 8 or 9 of those teams. But, uh, you know, I, 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 that's what I'll be hoping for. But I, know. I just think realistically we have to be, to even get into that la-la land. Because if we lose to Oregon mm-hmm. early on, we're going to the back pages, yeah. and it's going to be really hard to get anywhere near the top 15 again. Right? Yeah, that's, that's, I, I agree. I think that's just unfortunate uh, the way it is.
3: I agree. And, Pat, what you're saying is also what, if you were listening earlier, when Jim Wilson and I were discussing many things yesterday, he put the <laughs> – he, he said, I don't know what the team's going to be. I don't know what the team's going to look like. We don't know about the quarterback. We don't know a lot of things about next year's team. We came into this year – Daring to speak, and John Wilder and others were writing about a dark horse, Pac 12, and maybe even CFP candidate could be this veteran team at Oregon State. And the Beeves stumbled at Washington State and kind of took themselves out of the CFP conversation, but were still, with two weeks remaining, being talked about winning the Pac 12. Because if you beat Washington, you go to Oregon and you win that, and you're going to Vegas. So, with two weeks remaining, in this season of seasons with a veteran team and a transfer quarterback you were excited about, in a sense, Pat, to your point, a lot more sort of rock-solid certainties, it felt like, with a veteran O-line and a head coach with experience and all of that, that maybe 2023 was going to be a big breakthrough year. And it felt like it for a long time, but even in this year, ended up 8-4 and four and going to a bowl game. You're saying that we're talking about being eleven and one or twelve and zero, or trying to be part of that picture, I think you're trying to maybe a cautionary sort of hey, let's you know live off a million dollars the rest of your life. We'll get the first get the million dollars. You're saying getting the million is going to be the hard part, whether you're left out or not. At eleven and one is almost. I mean, let's hope we're having that uh, hand wringing about being left out at eleven and one. It means you've had an incredible season.
5: Yeah, yeah, I believe me. I mean, I looked at the schedule, and people say, "Oh, we'll win that one. We'll yeah. win that one." I'm like, well, you know, Purdue's <laughs> not going to be bad. No, Cal's not going to be bad. Oregon's not going to be bad. San, I mean, San
3: Diego State. I, if I knew
5: if I knew where we were going to be, you'd feel better. But I, right. I have no idea. I have a lot of faith in the coaches.
0: Mm-hmm. I think
5: they'll uh, surprise some people. But uh, geez, eight or nine wins, I think, would be a pretty dang good uh, yep first year career for any coach.
3: I agree so. with you. Hey, thank you so much, Pat. Good call. I have have a follow up to that.
2: Um, I think this is the mental state, the mental state going into that. With everybody saying, "Well, we got to do this. We got to do this in order." Is this this uh, this uh, primal need to remain relevant? Because because. I agree with Pat 100%. There's no guarantee. We don't know the quarterback. We're assuming all of this off of what we started with this year that we thought could be a 10-11 win season. Maybe even more than that this year Mm -hmm. with Jim Mahalchik and Jonathan Smith and all of that. Now we don't have that. Mm -hmm. We don't have those guys anymore, number one. Number two, we don't know who we have. And, you know, we think, okay, we got Mm -hmm. Damian Martinez. But the whole line is leaving, basically. Yeah. There are so many things that say it's going to be a little bit difficult. Uh, then True. It, it'll be harder next year than it was going into this year. Absolutely. Okay, all of that being said, if this were any other year and it was the Pac-12, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. We'd go, well, if we can get eight, nine wins next year or right. seven, that would be a good well, year because talking of about the losses. We're kind of
3: rebuilding some right, things and right. trying to build it back right. up.
2: but. I think that as we, I, I'm not saying that Beaver Nation is wrong. I'm, I'm, I agree with it in that there's this feeling of uh, we have to be 11-1. and one. We have to be because if you're not, if you go where the expectation might be, and well, I should say where the realism might be, not know who you got, yeah. new players, some of those uh, Mountain West teams can be pretty good, and you're on the road, you lose, and you go, you know, you win eight games, seven games, eight mm-hmm. games normally it would be a great year. But in this scenario, it would be horrible because you now, because you're no no conference and all yeah. that, now you would be cast aside by the rest of the football world.
3: Relegated to, as Pat said, the back yeah. pages of any pages. Exactly. Yeah, I hear you. That's yeah.
2: why there's a sense of, well, we can't even think like that. It has to be 11-1. We, 11 and we one. have
3: to talk about 10, 11, 12 wins. Anything
2: yeah. Yeah. less yeah. than that, and right. it doesn't just hurt you for the year.
3: Right. It may hurt you for the future. But... That type of pressure, again, as we spoke about the entire year this year, felt unfair to even this twenty twenty three team to almost be saying, with all of that, you got to keep yourselves relevant. You've got to you got to win the Pac twelve. You got to go to the CFP or you got to at least get to Vegas. Right. That's the in, last year. This past season, yeah, there was yeah, that yeah. feeling of because you're about to be relegated. Right. right. You got to stay relevant. Trent Bray and his staff can't go. We can't even as a fan base put that kind of – I think that's what Pat's trying to say. Let's mm-hmm. don't overload Trent, the new coaches, the staff, the players, whomever they're all going to be in the end. Overload them with a sense of mm, we better be relevant at 11-1 and 1 and 12-0. and 0. But you're saying it's our own way of trying to come to grips with where we are and yeah. trying to get and feel the best we possibly can about – these difficult and challenging times.
2: Because if you're if you're if you have two losses going into week seven or eight, you're thinking, "Well, this year's done." But yeah. if you have four or five losses total, and you had a, a mostly Mountain West conference schedule, you're fearing that I the know. rest of the college
3: football world yeah. will will dismiss you forever. We'll take a break and come back with Jason John Baptiste to reflect on the Beaver season past, but more important, what he's seeing going forward. I don't know how much homework he's done yet on Notre Dame. My level of that so far is very light. (laughs) But we're going to show tomorrow night with Jason, with A.J. McCord. We'll talk to the last member of the broadcast team, Jason Jean-Baptiste, former Beaver defensive end, next on the Joe Beaver Show. Jason Jean-Baptiste joins us on the Joe Beaver Show to help wrap things up. Our thanks to Pat Murphy earlier today. What a uh, wonderful conversation with him. And you know, I, I think, too, just listening to leaders like Murph and Case inspire me. And the very fact that that Murph invoked Mitch Canham and he talked about Pat Casey. and Case himself talked about Trent Bray kind of brings us back round to our next guest, our final guest of the week. Jason, along with yours truly, and A.J. McCord, will be together tomorrow night at Beaver City Sports Bar in Delhi, 5th Street, downtown Corvallis, for a live show of Talking Beavers. You're all invited, Beaver Nation. Get there early, we hope, and let's have a good time and rally everybody up. Jason, hearing Pat Casey talk about Trent Bray and Trent's leadership qualities, that, for me, right now, your former teammate, Trent Bray, what what's your level of enthusiasm about him being elevated to the position as we get ready to get together tomorrow night in Corvallis.
8: Oh man, well first off, Mike, thank you so much for, for having me on. Um in in terms of Trent Bray, I couldn't be any more ecstatic about anyone getting the position um and the opportunity that Trent is getting. Uh you want to talk about someone who put in the hard work and is committed and is, you know, knows to his stuff, and that is Trent Bray. He's always been that um, you know, for him to now get this opportunity as the head coach of the Oregon State and Beavers, uh, you know, as a former alumni and player for the Beavers, I think it's a tremendous opportunity for him. I think it's a great uh, opportunity for us as a fan base and as uh, you know, former alumni myself as well. Uh, to have someone who's there, knows the area, knows what type of talent and type of uh, kids he needs to recruit in order to keep him at Oregon State, um, so I'm, I'm tremendously excited, Zach, about, about him being the new head coach.
3: Yeah, and Jason, I asked you about this on our show, Talking Beavers, a while back when Trent was elevated, what you observed in him as a teammate. And you said the qualities were there and evident to you and everybody else on that defense, even as he was kind of waiting for his own opportunity to really impact that defense. And he started to as your career was winding down with the beeves. But what were some of the characteristics and qualities you saw in him then?
8: Well, his his perseverance. I mean, that that right there, to me. I mean, because here you have a a guy who, you know, is playing D1, playing Oregon State, but has to wait his time, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he had a tremendous player in front of him in Richard Siegler. Uh, Richard was a tremendous talent, uh, very athletic. Uh, Trent didn't have necessarily that same athleticism, but Mm -hmm. what he did have is that his knowledge of the game, um, he knew exactly where he needed to be at. Uh, He's one of the most cerebral uh, players I've ever played with. Um, in in that way and those are in the right place at the right time Um, and he was a short tackler Um, you know, his technique in tackling um, like all those different qualities that make up a great middle linebacker and the anchor of a defense Trent had Um, so, you know, now transitioning uh, into being a coach those same qualities, knowing the game knowing exactly what players needed to be at you know, um, having that work ethic uh, persevering, which is something that a lot of kids uh, in this day and age need to learn how to do because uh, that's something that a lot of people struggle with. If you, if you come from out of town, you come into Corvallis, you're not really familiar with, with your surroundings, To have a coach like Trent that you know you could depend on and he understands where you're coming from um, is, is one of the greatest things that you could have. So um, I like I said, I'm, I'm really excited to see where he takes the program uh, from Jonathan Smith. I mean, we already... On our way back, and Jonathan Smith did a meeting, He was here, but I really look forward to see how much further we could go with Trent as our coach.
3: Yeah, and Jason, too. What about the quality of passion and the guy who, you know, people take photographs on the sideline? They were assigned. This is a great anecdote. Somebody said, Hey, we need photographs of the Oregon State head coach. And a number of phot- photographers came back with sending pictures to the National Service of Trent Bray because they thought he was handling it. That must be the head coach. That, what about that important? How important is that quality to have that kind of rallying around the guys on a sideline?
8: Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, Trent is more animated now than he ever was as, <laughs> as a player. I can could, I could tell you that right yeah. now. Now, that being said, he's also a younger guy. So, He's not that far removed. I know it's been, you know, over a decade since he's, he's played, but he's not that far removed from being a player himself. So he understands the excitement, the passion, the level of, you know, want to, you know, as, uh, being a player, make a big play. You know, you want to uh, high-five your teammates. You want to, you know, get in get in mm-hmm. on it. Chet still has that in him, you know, so he still understands what, what that's like, you know. So I think having that, I mean, It's something that the younger players and the players that come to Oregon State are going to appreciate, and they appreciate it now because they understand that here's someone who gets it. He understands what it's like to be in in my position and in my shoes and playing this game, playing at the level that I'm playing at in front of this crowd. Um, So that passion kind of, in a lot of ways, transitions into the same passion that the players also have Mm -hmm. themselves when they see the head coach at back.
3: Jason John Baptiste, Jason, tomorrow night. We've been doing this show together for two years. You in yeah. Portland, AJ in Tucson. Right. Yours truly in South Corvallis. We get to be together tomorrow mm-hmm. night at uh, Beaver City Sports Bar and Grill. It's going to feel different, but how excited are you for it?
8: Yeah, it, it, isn't that something? Isn't that something? <laughs> I mean, like I, I don't know if the people that watch, you know, uh, our show truly understand. Number one, how difficult it is to have that level of energy and have that level mm-hmm. of comfort, uh, comfortability with each other when you're just doing it via Zoom and doing it remotely. Um, it, it, it takes time, but the level of energy that you get from someone, like when you're around them in person, is completely different. Mm-hmm. And I, I am so excited to be there and, and be coming down to Corvallis and the Beaver City Sports Bar to have all of us together finally after all this time, and just you know, just utilize that energy just to you know propel our show even further. And I, I just want everyone to come out show some love, you know, you know, um, uh, this talking beaver crew is amazing. Uh, you know, the legendary Mike, Mike Parker, the voice of the beavers, <laughs> the one and only, you know, AJ McCord. Yes. I, I just, I, you know, I, I can't wait for it. I, I'm, incredibly incredibly excited and uh feel blessed to be able to, uh, to do well that it's
3: been a real joy working with you jason and aj and i'm glad we finally get to be together one time tomorrow we invite beaver nation to join us bring your helmet man bring your helmet we need it That's we right. need it. I, got, I got
8: it i got <laughs> okay. it i got you covered i got you covered mike hey thank jason
3: so yeah thank you I look forward to seeing you tomorrow night as well as a lot of beaver nation there at uh, beaver city sports bar in delhi thanks jason for the time we'll see you tomorrow night you got it thanks, thank mike. you That's going to do it. We've got now. Be the third texter. Text Murph. Murph, M-U-R-P-H, for a pair of women's basketball tickets tonight. Be the third texter right now, 497-5356. If you want to see the women play hoop.